Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. In the summer of 1969, Arnold and Ginger Hinshaw ignored warnings from the locals and moved into the notoriously haunted Lamont Mansion. Despite the legends surrounding the building, they thought they were buying their dream home, but after ghostly sightings, poltergeist activity, and a possible demonic possession, this family too was forced to leave what is now known as the Summerwind Mansion. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Arnold sat at the organ once again. He began to play and play, the notes swirling through the air, intertwined with the sound of rain tapping on the windows. As his fingers danced across the keys, the feeling of sorrow and relief enveloped him. It was as if the music was a bridge between the living and the dead, a connection that transcended time. As the melody reached its crescendo, Arnold could swear he saw fleeting shadows moving along the edges of his vision. He continued to play, pouring his heart into the music, his fingers seemingly guided by some unseen force. The storm raged on outside, but within the mansion, a strange calm began to settle. There she was the woman in a flowing gown, her face veiled in sadness. She seemed to be reaching out towards him. Her presence gave Arnold a sense of purpose. He was indeed communicating with the spirits that resided within the mansion. For hours he played on, just as he had done the night before and the night before last. His family grew more and more concerned, but they didn't know. He was doing this for them. It was the only way to keep them safe. Ginger tried to reason with him, fearing for both his mental well-being and their family's safety, but Arnold's conviction remained unshaken. He believed that his nightly performances were the only thing preventing a catastrophe. His obsession consumed him. Arnold's once confident demeanor began to unravel. Dark circles formed under his eyes as sleep eluded him. The once beautiful chords and melodies turned into random notes as if he were just slamming on the organ playing anything to keep the spirits at bay. He became convinced that if he missed even a single night, the evil force he sensed lurking would be unleashed, wreaking havoc on his family. As the storm raged outside the mansion, his playing reached a fever pitch. The random notes seemed to echo with his unraveling sanity. Ginger entered the room, determined to intervene. The sight that greeted her was heart-wrenching. Arnold, eyes wild and unfocused, fingers moving frantically across the keys. Her voice filled with desperation cut through the chaos. Please, you're hurting yourself and our family. This isn't real. Her words hung in the air, mingling with the haunting music. For a moment, Arnold wavered, conflicting emotions battling within him. 
The ghost that had once seemed like an ally now stared at him with mournful eyes, her presence more oppressive than protective. The evil that had conjured his mind loomed larger than life, threatening to consume everything he held dear. With a final anguished cry, Arnold's hands stilled and the music ceased. As thunder clapped outside, Arnold collapsed to the floor as the lights dimmed inside the Summerwind Mansion. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, The Summerwind Mansion, Wisconsin. In the early 1900s, the Land O'Lakes area was full of well-to-do families who used the area as a vacation destination. Robert Pattinson Lamont was a wealthy man who lived in Chicago. He attended college at the University of Michigan and graduated in 1891 with a bachelor's degree in civil engineering. By 1912, Lamont had climbed up the corporate ladder to become president of the Simplex Railway Appliance Company which was the position he held until he was appointed to the Hoover administration in 1929. He would serve as the Secretary of Commerce until 1932, when he resigned in order to become the president of the American Iron and Steel Institute, where he worked until 1934. He and his wife were interested in the Land O'Lakes area because of its beautiful landscape and as an escape from the everyday hustle and bustle of city life. In 1916, he traveled to Vilas County, Wisconsin, looking for a new home. On the shores of West Bay Lake sat a mansion owned by a man named John Frank. The structure sat on the southern end of the Cisco chain of lakes and had a gorgeous view from every angle. The building was originally constructed as a fishing lodge in the early 20th century, and Lamont quickly fell in love with the property with big plans to remodel and move in as a summer home with his family. The building was purchased and the project began almost immediately. When all was said and done, it was a grand mansion with 20 rooms in multiple outbuildings. It was the staff at the mansion that first noticed that something was off. The maids would report odd sounds and smells, and even told Mrs. Lamont that they thought the building was haunted. The Lamont family would come to realize that their dream summer home would be their personal hell. According to The Haunted Northwoods by Tom Hollitz, the brightness of the sun, which streamed through the many windows, was soon to be cast in darkness, reaching out to envelop and pull anyone into its dark despair. The first ghost sightings were from servants who were being tormented by a translucent woman who would stare at them from the courtyard. Eventually, this spirit made its way inside the home itself. At first, Mr. Lamont didn't believe his servants. That is, until one cold evening. He and his wife were eating dinner when their basement door began to shake violently. Mrs. Lamont was so terrified that she took shelter behind her husband. The door stopped shaking, and then it swung open. Scared for his life, thinking it was an intruder, Mr. Lamont fired two shots at the apparition before it disappeared, leaving two bullet holes in the door. According to the book Weird Hauntings, True Tales of Ghostly Places, Todd Roll, who visited the mansion in the 1980s and snapped photographs of the bullet holes in the door, stated, quote, When I visited the mansion in 1987 as part of a small team of paranormal investigators, the door from the kitchen to the basement did indeed show two bullet holes. 
The door mysteriously disappeared sometime between my first and second visits, and I've always wondered who took it and where it might be today. The Lamonts were so frightened by this experience that they immediately packed up and left the home for good. The house sat vacant for years until Mr. Lamont's death. The house eventually sold to the Kiefer family. They believe they found their dream home, but their happiness too would be short-lived. Immediately, they felt something was off. They heard banging around the house, knocking on the walls, and witnessed shadow figures flitting by from the corners of their eyes. As the paranormal activity in the home increased, the family became more and more worried. They would eventually abandon the home and all of their belongings and flee. Mrs. Kiefer later claimed that she felt that she had to leave everything behind out of fear that something evil could have attached itself to their possessions, so they felt safer abandoning everything. Mr. Kiefer dropped dead inside the home from a massive heart attack, leaving Mrs. Kiefer as a sole owner. She would try time and time again to sell the home, but each new buyer would either up and leave or they couldn't afford to make the payments, so the house would end up back in the hands of Mrs. Kiefer. Potential buyers who visited the now notoriously haunted home would be left to tour the house on their own as Mrs. Kiefer seemed to refuse to enter the building. She would stand outside and leave them to explore for themselves. This concerned some people as they also felt a sense of unease as if they were being watched as they moved around from room to room. The house, once again, sat to rot for years. In 1969, a woman named Ginger Hinshaw heard about the old haunted house while visiting a friend in the area. She just had to see the estate for herself. After seeing the home, she would later say that she felt sorry for it. She felt drawn to the home, almost as if it were calling out to her, begging her to save it. She became obsessed with the idea of living there. Arnold, her husband, owned a construction company and took a trip with his wife to see the home. He saw it as a perfect investment opportunity, as well as a fine place to live. They contacted the Kiefers and made an offer on the property. But the Hinshaw family children didn't have the same first impression of their new house. One of their children, nine-year-old Mary, described the home as a dingy and decrepit place. She felt despair and fear when she first saw it. She was overcome with a feeling of dread and felt that she was unwanted as if she didn't belong there. And she was right. After finding some old blueprints in a bedroom closet, Ginger became obsessed with restoring the old home to its original state and began work immediately. She became fixated on painting the home, but couldn't seem to get it right. She would go on to repaint the house 11 different times. As she obsessed over the project, her husband began to lose interest in the entire thing. He felt overwhelmed and contacted several local contractors to help with the project. But once they found out what the address was, they refused to come give an estimate on the old haunted house. Some workers would leave supplies for them at the end of the driveway, not even daring to come up to the house. The Hinshaw family was left on their own to work on renovations. Arnold couldn't stay focused on one project at a time, and he would often find himself wandering the property in almost a trance-like state. He became hyper-focused on his organ and would find himself drawn to play it at all hours of the night. He felt that he was being tormented by something unseen and felt that if he stopped playing, something horrible would happen to him. He would snap at the children for no reason and yell at them for pushing certain windows open, 
even though Ginger remembered closing those windows herself. One window in particular would open seemingly on its own, so frequently that Arnold nailed it shut for good. They would see odd flickering lights in shadows out of the corners of their eyes. The full-bodied apparition of a woman was seen walking back and forth in front of the French doors that led to the dining room. They claimed that she didn't appear as a ghost, she looked more like a real person. Appliances began turning on and off on their own. They would call to have them fixed, but when the service company came out, they could find nothing wrong with these items. One evening, while Arnold was walking to his car, it suddenly burst into flames. They never figured out what caused the fire, and thankfully nobody was hurt, but this event obviously shocked the entire family. The next event, however, would change the way that they looked at Summerwind Mansion forever. One afternoon, Ginger and Arnold began painting one of the bedroom closets. Arnold pulled a large shoe drawer out of the way to paint the frame and edges, and he noticed a small space sitting behind it. He grabbed a flashlight and worked his way into the space behind the drawer. He shined his flashlight around, and what he saw made him jump and scramble out immediately. He yelled to his wife that there was a corpse inside. As he settled down, they both agreed that it must have been the remains of an animal. They waited for the children to get home from school, and bravely sent one of their daughters in to see what it was. Mary was small enough to comfortably enter the small space behind the shoe cabinet, while her parents courageously watched. To their horror, Mary let out a blood-curdling scream as she shined her flashlight into the hollow eyes of a human skull, which still had dark hair attached to it. There was also an arm and a portion of a leg. The Hinshaws never reported this incident to the police, and they apparently sealed up the small space, leaving the mummified remains inside the wall. Perhaps if the family had alerted the authorities, the body could have been identified and put to rest, and maybe the strange happenings inside Summerwind Mansion would have calmed down, but they did not, and then everything went terribly wrong. As the days went by, the family started to experience more odd occurrences within the home. It started with small items moving around or being misplaced. Initially, they wanted to blame the children, but the items would shift around even when nobody was home. Soon, chairs and other larger, heavier objects began to move. They would slide from the dinner table and slam against the wall. The feeling that they were being watched was constant. Then, the voices began. The entire family would be woken by the sound of disembodied crying in the night. The sound was described as something trying to mimic the sounds of an infant but there was something about the crying that was a little bit off. Other than the obvious fact that there were no babies living within the home, the sound of its cries didn't quite sound human. The sound of footsteps were heard all around the house. These sounds would come from above them, and more concerningly, seemed to follow family members around the home from room to room. But when they stopped walking, the footsteps would keep going, passing right through them, and continuing along its ghostly path. Just weeks into living in what they thought was going to be their dream home, the paranormal activity inside Summerwind Mansion was escalating at a rapid pace and things were getting out of control. Arnold's mental state continued to deteriorate. His personality completely changed. According to Mary, any little thing would set him off and the children would have to suffer the brunt of his rage. He was going in and out of what seemed like a possession, and it only grew in intensity. He was suffering from insomnia, sleeping less and less. Day by day, he was becoming more and more evil. One day, the family's pet raccoon escaped. 
Arnold snapped and attempted to send the children into the woods to find it, but Ginger intervened, stopping him. So he set off into the woods to find it on his own. He located the raccoon, brought it back, and killed the animal in front of the children. Ginger's obsession with perfecting the mansion seemed to control her every move, and the children watched on in terror as they felt that the spirits of the home were watching them constantly. Arnold had lost all control. He lost his business. It was sent off to seek mental help. Ginger and their children were convinced that the house was responsible for destroying their family. She gathered up the children and left the mansion for good. They traveled to Granton, Wisconsin to live with her parents, eventually divorcing Arnold. After leaving the old haunted house, her health and mental state improved, and she would go on to marry a man named George Olson. Ginger thought that she was leaving the terrifying events of Summerwind Mansion behind, but she was wrong. Her father, Raymond Bober, did not believe the haunting tales of ghostly encounters and possession inside the home, and he decided to buy the property, remodel, and turn it into a bed and breakfast. According to Raymond, quote, Summerwind looked like it needed somebody. It's like seeing a wet puppy. You want to comfort it. And that house almost reached out to you and asked for comfort. Ginger begged her father to stay away from the mansion, but he refused to listen. Ray and his son moved into a camper parked in the driveway of Summerwind while they started working on the house. The building was in shambles at that point, and they started work right away. But it wouldn't be long before they were running from Summerwind, just like the others. They hired some men to help with the project, but once again, they would come up with excuses as to why they could not work on the mansion. Some called in sick, while others were more upfront about their refusal to work for them. The building had become notorious as an evil, haunted, and cursed location. Raymond would measure rooms to make adjustments, but when you returned, the measurements would be completely off. It was as if every room in the mansion were morphing and changing right in front of their eyes. Every day, the measurements were different. He even compared them to the original blueprints and find that sometimes these rooms were literally twice as big as they were supposed to be. It made no sense. Ray's son would experience something odd himself. Quote, Since the rain was pouring in, he quickly shut the window and went to get a mop. When he was finished cleaning up the water in the bedroom, he began to mop the hallway, which seemed to get longer and longer as he went. Once he reached the end of the hallway, he looked into the doorway of the master bedroom to find the window open again. He shut it and started mopping again. That's when he heard someone say his name. He asked who was there. When no one answered, he figured he must have been hearing things. All of the sudden, he heard it again, more clearly. He was headed downstairs when he heard two gunshots. He raced around the house and reached the kitchen to find smoke and the smell of gunpowder. Raymond Jr. was in a state of shock and raced outside to see if somebody had fired a gun, but he found absolutely nobody there. After this experience, he began to act more nervous. He would anxiously bite his nails whenever anyone was discussing the property. Ginger and Mary visited Ray to try to help him. She had been studying hypnosis and decided to try to help him with his new anxious behavior. He agreed and sat next to her. She held a pen in front of his face and told him to focus on it. As she moved it back and forth, he became drowsy and seemed to fall into a half-sleep-like state. When she began asking questions about Summerwind, his legs started bouncing up and down and shake uncontrollably. Mary recalled that his voice deepened as he began to speak, almost sounding like a growl. He said, quote, I am strong. I am strong. You are weak. 
His face contorted into an angry scowl as he kept repeating this phrase over and over again. I am strong. You are weak. I am very old and strong, and the others are weak. I despise my children. My seven children are weak, and I am very strong. Ginger grabbed a cross and attempted to drive out this evil presence that had taken over her brother. He eventually snapped out of it and asked what had happened. Neither of them remembered the event, and Ray flat out didn't believe Mary when she told him what she had just witnessed. But the whole event had been tape recorded. When they listened back, they were both in a state of shock. Ray believed that there was a powerful force at Summerwind that was trying to communicate with anyone who stepped inside. He asked Ginger to hypnotize him to see if he could get more answers. She agreed, and while under hypnosis, he saw himself back at Summerwind, walking into the basement. He felt drawn to a certain area and walked directly to it. He grabbed a pickaxe and removed part of the foundation to expose a black wooden box. He opened the box, and Ginger asked him to write down what he saw inside of it. Ray took a pen and made a motion as if he were dipping it into ink and shaking it. He then started writing as if using a quill pen. All he wrote on the paper was the name Jonathan Carver. Ray did some digging and connected the property with John Carver, who died in 1780. Convinced that Carver was responsible for the hauntings at the old mansion, he ended up writing a book called The Carver Effect in 1979 under the name Wolfgang von Bober. Ray used Ouija boards and automatic writing to contact the ghost of Carver, who was constantly telling him to find his black box, but he never did. On June 16, 1988, a violent thunderstorm ripped through the Land Lakes area. Lightning struck the old home and a fire ripped through Summerwind Mansion. The fire department was called to the scene around 8 a.m., but it was too late. The main building was already engulfed in flames. All that remained of the haunted mansion were two tall chimneys, the crumbling stone terrace, and some charred beams. Over the years, the ruins have attracted curious visitors and paranormal investigators, and many claim that they still feel the presence of the ghosts of Summerwind roaming the ruins of the old mansion. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Summerwind Mansion. is going on ladies and gentlemen welcome into episode number 93 of hometown ghost stories we're talking about the demon of Summerwind mansion aka the lamont mansion i'm jesse wilkins i'm joined by rob coakley hello rob hi my name is wolfgang von robber and i also <laughs> would like a pet raccoon we are also joined by wolfgang von dave what's up dave what's up i think that if my house ever ends up being haunted i would like for the haunting to be that my house just grows and gets bigger it's, it's a pretty cool haunting. haunting. Yeah. It was weird. This one has a lot of elements that are so different from other hauntings. It has possible demonic possessions, multiple. It has hauntings through generations of people that lived at this house. And it's got a lot of legend that's tied to it and a lot of stuff that 
it's also rooted in facts or at least can be tied to witness testimony. So you have a series of families that moved in here and at least three of these families at completely different times, obviously, witnessed hauntings and potentially dealt with possessions, but you also had full-bodied apparitions. You had lifelike looking ghosts. Like this isn't just seeing a shadow figure. It's not just seeing your run-of-the-mill hauntings. They're seeing things that they think are actually people to a point where Mr. Lamont fired two shots at one of them. The other one was the woman that was walking back and forth behind the French doors. And there's just so many ghost sightings here, poltergeist activity, demonic activity, that this one location obviously had enough just to focus on this exact location. So a lot going on here. I would say so. And I think that there's a lot to, I think there's a lot to pick apart about this one too. I think that, and we can get into it. We'll have to get into it right this second, but. No, so let's talk about some parenting tips here. <laughs> this definitely made me feel better about my parenting. You know, sometimes you're like, man, am I doing it right? Am I a bad parent? Am I too strict? But then you, these, they're sending their kids into the walls to find dead bodies. They're sending them after their rabid raccoon into the woods. <laughs> just making the kids do everything. <laughs> yeah, we also got to talk about that. A pet raccoon? I'm in. I want one. I've always wanted a pet raccoon, not just because of this story. I also don't want to kill it in front of a bunch of children. But I want a pet raccoon, for sure. Yeah, this guy definitely was spiraling out of control really quick because you hear this story and you think that this is happening over years. This is happening over weeks, days. This guy is rapidly going downhill and losing his mind. And they said that he wasn't like this before. He was just a regular dad, you know, a good father. And all of a sudden he's like a whole different person as soon as he moves in there. And the organ thing was just so creepy. Maybe because it's an organ. If he was sitting there playing a ukulele all night, we'd be like, dude, <laughs> stop it. But the organ is just such like a an ominous thing. You just think of like Pirates of the Caribbean with the squid guy playing the the organ and everything. It's it, There's just something creepy about it. You think Dra- you get Dracula vibes from it. It was definitely something creepy, but they, he was playing it like all hours of the night. So here, here's the first thing that a lot of the YouTube videos and podcasts, sources, if you will, got like everything wrong with this story. Good. Let's so, get on everybody's bad side. That's what I, I wanted went, to do tonight. Yeah. A lot of them got everything wrong. Like, like not even a few things wrong. So I don't know if they were just kind of making things up. This is one of those locations where there is a lot of interviews and like documents that you can go and check out. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was like Wikipedia was changing over time, but anyways, I went out and got uh, this book here, which is haunted summer wind, which is by uh, Devin Bell who writes a lot of these haunted books and this one was very well sourced. It kind of compiled all the different stories and double sourced everything. I looked into papers that were written about it because it actually is a very popular location. Had you guys, I know Rob, you had heard about it. David, you heard about this one before? No. No, I kind of hadn't either. So I, I had heard inklings of it, but I just straight up Googled like haunted places in Wisconsin, just popped into my head. And the this one came up. I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And then I found out there were some books on it. I was like, okay, we could do our research and and dive into this. But this one has like almost an Amityville type story, Mm -hmm. right? Where you have a family that moves in and they're so scared that they moved out. But the difference with this one, obviously with Amityville, you have the entire family getting killed. That's obviously a, a much more brutal origin story. This one's routed in a lot of, there's a lot of mystery behind the origins of this. There's even mystery around the origin of the, uh, the origins of the building where 
they don't know if the fishing lodge was demolished and then completely rebuilt from the ground up when um, Robert went in there to build the mansion. And then, or, or they say that maybe he just added on to the building. Then they say that there may have been a war that was fought in that area involving Native Americans. Check that one off your bingo list. So they, they're trying to figure out why is this area so haunted? Because as soon as the Lamont family bought this thing and moved in, they're the first family that experienced a haunting there. So this was like their summer home or whatever, but this is immediately the, it was the maids. The maids had started seeing this woman in the courtyard and she was staring through the window and she kept getting closer and closer to the window. And it was a really creepy haunting. And so the, she, they, they reported it to Mrs. Lamont. They're like, this house is haunted. You know, we keep seeing this, this maid woman. And then apparently they started seeing her inside the house as well. And at first they're just brushing it off. They're like, now you're just superstitious. This is nothing. And then you get the whole door shaking in this ghost that basically came out from the basement into the kitchen to a point where Mr. Lamont thought it was a real ghost and shot at it. Yeah. So he just, he got onto his R Kelly bag and was like, and I pull out my gun every time he sees a ghost. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like he straight, he straight up thought it was an intruder in his account of it was really creepy. And I think I straight up accidentally deleted it from my script, but I had found, because <laughs> I'm going back in the episode, I'm like, wait, I didn't even talk about his description of the ghost, but his description of the ghost was that it was too tall. That was that was how he described it. It was too tall and it was kind of moving as if, um, as if he was built out of smoke or something, but it was mm. still real enough where he thought it was a real person wife ducked behind him and he just straight up shot at this thing. So it was definitely lifelike enough where he actually just thought it was an intruder. Like somebody broke into the house. So it's a pretty terrifying story. Yeah, and it's pretty creepy. And I don't know if he, so he had admitted it to, or he had told like a fishing buddy about it. And then the, the words started getting around, but he, he didn't like go and write a book about it or anything like that. So this was kind of one of those stories that's a little bit let, you know, based off legend. Now you did have a photographer who went to the house to try to confirm it. So he went in there and um, took pictures of the door back. in I think it was the 1980s and the door still had the bullet holes in it. Now, who knows? There could be a, a couple of things. If you're looking to debunk this, number one, it could just be holes in a door. You don't know if they're actually bullet holes. The picture did look kind of like it, it was the right size to be a bullet hole. Number two, if you're a skeptic, would be maybe at some point in time when the house sat abandoned because it was going through like decades of being abandoned. Maybe somebody just put some bullet holes into the door, shot it themselves just to, you know, hype up that legend and add some authenticity to it. So those are your options if you're a skeptic or they're just there because he actually shot the door. Yeah. And you would think that this was a summer home. So these guys had some money. So my theory would be like, well, as soon as you shoot the door, First, the wife's going to panic, and then once everything settles down, she's going to want the door replaced, most likely. Right? Yeah, so you would think that it would be replaced. Yes and no. So you would think it would be replaced just because of how many people moved into the property afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. The thing is, after they saw this haunting, they're like, screw this, we're out. And as far as I know, they pretty much packed up and left immediately. So, so, the next not, so you have, you're talking like 1800s at this point, right? Uh, early 1900s. Early 1900s. They, it's not like you're going to go to Lowe's and just buy a, a custom door to fit that exact spot. These doors are all, and these older houses are all like basically custom for the size. They would build, they would have a door, a doorway, and then they would build the door to fit that doorway. 
It's not mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not like you can just get one. It has to be fit perfectly. So it's not yeah, like a super easy thing to just replace a door. Right. So that makes sense because, you know, the way they would build these houses wouldn't be like, oh, we have to make the door this exact size so we can get the one from Home Depot that will fit this, you know, exact door frame. So it does make sense. It's kind of like the windows on old houses, like my house, every window is a different size. So it's like just mm-hmm. to replace a window, I got to get it custom made. It's way too much money. So we have a bunch of shitty windows because I refuse. So uh, <laughs> real quick, Matt, Matthew T dropping $20 in super chat. He says rookie numbers and uh, hashtag pet raccoon 2024. It's got my vote. I, I also want to just point out, Jesse, that you are incredibly tan right now, and I'm very uncomfortable about it. Yeah, you know, I, like last week, I my, don't screen, like my screen was too bright. Oh, you know what? I don't have, the, I don't have my light on, but that's okay. Ah, that so last week, on? I was this tan, but I was like, I was completely pale on screen. I'm like, what was the yeah. point of going to Europe if I didn't <laughs> don't get to show off my beautiful tan? So I'm not turning on my, my ring light. It's not happening. Showing right. off the tan today. Tan okay. Jesse. And hashtag okay. tan jesse 2024 <laughs> all right fair enough fair enough um yeah so some of these other hauntings are real interesting can we get to the story well i guess we gotta wait a little bit but i really want to get to this story about sending a kid in to find the skeleton yeah we'll get to that oh, we gotta build up to it we gotta we'll get- we got a crescendo right is that what they do in music jesse do they crescendo yeah I've, i use that word actually in the opening ghost story about the organ yeah when this I just, just I just subscribe. I don't listen. Yeah. Crescendo just means it gradually gets louder. So, anyways, the um, the next family that moved in was the Kiefer family. Now, there's this is where stories get a little shaky because a couple of the sources had all of these haunting stories from the Kiefer family. However, two of the books that I looked in said that there was absolutely no hauntings with the Kiefer family. So they have like kind of the Amityville type story. I know we're going to keep going back to that, but they have the kind of Amityville story where not only did they just get scared and completely leave the house, but they also had left all of their possessions behind. And a couple of these sources, they they said that they had quoted Mrs. Kiefer as saying that she was afraid to take any of the possessions because she was afraid that something evil would attach itself to those possessions. So it leaves me with two questions. Number one is where is that interview or where did she state that? And number two would be if they didn't have any hauntings, why the hell did they leave all their possessions behind? Right. Or did they, is that just part of the legend? Did they not leave all their possessions behind? So Mm -hmm. it's tough to confirm or deny it because basically every time one of these families would move out, the house would sit vacant and then it would just get absolutely looted. So we don't know if the next family who moved in, would see their possessions and be like, wow, here's a bed. And, you know, here's all this kind of stuff. Do we need to get rid of it? Should we keep it? Is it evil? Whatever. They didn't have to deal with that because looter, you know, people, thieves came in and just stole all the stuff. So it's tricky. So I don't know where I stand with that one. Yeah, it's very interesting. You'd want to get some more info. We're going to talk about the girl, but like, I just want to bring this point up to go into what you're talking about. The daughter who is the one they sent into the hole. She she will not, from what I heard and read, she very rarely does interviews about this. And when she does, she only does it with a lawyer present. Hmm. So why do you need why would you need a lawyer? What's, I don't a, know. what's that lawyer protecting you from? Like no one's gonna sue you. Be like, you're telling fake ghost stories. See you in court, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I cannot tell you why. I just I just 
that was one of the things that I heard is that she has to have, she always demands that she has her lawyer present to do the interview. So like, it's really strange. And like you said, I, who, no, one, no one's going to be like class action lawsuit. We're all going to get $4 from her for lying about ghost stories. I wonder where's, if Ron, where's Ron Meshbesher? Is, is he in chat? <laughs> now I'm getting nervous. Like, can you sue people over ghost stories? <laughs> allegedly. We're in a we just have to say allegedly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have allegedly. that rule. Yeah. Yeah. It is tricky. So I, I do wonder, maybe, 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 does it have something to do with the fact that she may have found a dead body? Maybe right. That's why you lawyer up. But, I mean, she didn't kill this I mean, guy. That's fair, right? That's fair. No, there's, there's a huge problem with this dead body in the wall story. Oh, yeah. Right, we're just two. getting into it. One is they didn't report it to the police. And two is they said that when they went back, the body disappeared. So yep. those are, I have a problem with the, with this dead body they allegedly and found. Three, they should have just boarded the kid up in there with, with the dead body. Surprised they didn't. That's that's the I'm next one. Also move. surprised they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it would have spared her from having to see the pet raccoon be murdered in front of her. Yeah, seriously. So, so there's a lot of things going on with that family. We can get to that now because we don't even know if the Kiefer family ever actually saw any hauntings, but there were so many reports of it that I you know, threw it in the episode, but here we are to clear that up. I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. But apparently the Kiefer, the husband, he died in the house. They just said he had a massive heart attack, but it was around the time that they were living there. So I'm assuming it was inside the house. So we had that happen. Then basically she became the sole owner of the house. So she was looking to sell. And she was having a very hard time selling the place. This had already earned legend around town, or it had already earned the reputation around town that it was a very haunted house. And it had been that way since the Lamont family was there, maybe even before. So it's very tricky with trying to sell this house because everyone knows it's the haunted house. Also, it's very run down at this point. So she's having a hell of a time trying to sell this thing. She did get multiple people to move in, but they would just move out. And she couldn't get anyone to stay. A lot of people were not able to make the payments, you know, to pay their rent or whatever. So it was just a hell of a time. But there's some weird occurrences that was going on when she, when she was selling these homes or, or at least showing it to potential buyers or renters, if you will, where people would go in and she seemed to refuse to enter the house. And this is documented. So if it's not a haunted place, why would she refuse? She would just let strangers in and not go walk around with them. I've gone and looked I, at a whole bunch of houses and never once have they been like, enjoy yourself, go in there. I guess the only thing I can think of, and I'm, I'm just stretching here to try to like give her some sort of reason is maybe she doesn't want to go back into the place where her husband died. Right. Like, that's good. That, to me, like that's the only reason, like other than it being haunted, why she wouldn't want to go back in. Just memories flooding back. She doesn't want to relive whatever that day was like. But that I can't think of any other reason. Other no, than that's that. actually a great point. I didn't even think of that. So that that could be a reason that she didn't, or it's haunted. So we do know that the family, the Lamont family, knew thought it was haunted. They saw things there. What were you going to say, Dave? I said or both. Could be both. Or, valid. Absolutely valid. So basically that, that was kind of what happened with the Kiefer's. And then we reached the next family. And this is where things go absolutely bonkers between Arnold basically 
mostly it, it looks like possession to me if their story is true. They also had, there was one story and I didn't include it because I couldn't double source the story. So I didn't put it in there, but we could talk about it. So apparently on, on one afternoon, they almost to try to restore a sense of normalcy to the family because everything was kind of going out of control. Ginger and Arnold invited some of their old friends up to see them. And this is actually the first time that they had, that they would even be seen since they moved to this new house and their life started spiraling out of control. So they they invited some old friends over. They came up to see them. I don't know where they came from originally, but whatever. They made the trip and they, they came up to just have dinner. So they're all sitting around and everything's kind of normal. And Ginger goes into the kitchen to go grab some snacks. And she just hears everyone start screaming in the dining room. So she rushes back to the dining room just in time to see a full-bodied apparition. And it was described similar to the one that came out of the basement with the Lamont family. And everyone screamed. Their guests ran out of the house, got in the car, left, and never spoke to them again. And that was kind of... This was in kind of like in the middle of the haunting, so maybe a couple of weeks in or whatever. And this was the first time that they actually saw like an actual ghost in the house. And they were like, okay, it's not just weird occurrences. It's not just Arnold starting to go a little bit crazy. Like this place is legitimately haunted. And now we've, now we have the proof or we've seen the actual proof. Mm. There are a lot of parallels between the story and the Amityville story and and also, somebody mentioned in chat earlier that it also reminded them a lot of The Shining, where Jack Torrance, obviously not a true haunting, but um, it, it is pretty reminiscent of that also, which I think is interesting. Yeah, but we also have heard of haunting, like multiple, not just Amityville. There have been other hauntings where things progress like this, especially in one person. I mean, go back to your your Spain episode, right? Like that mm-hmm. different situation but still we saw the progression and the behavioral change over time. So I do think that as terrible as this is, this is one of those things. It's like, okay, well, this has happened in New York. Now it's happening in Wisconsin where nothing ever happens. It's also happened in Spain. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing this throughout the world, throughout different cultures and repeating in different ways, not exactly the same everywhere, but there is some consistency here with other hauntings that we've seen. Mm. Uh, Serena asked in chat, has anyone ever been able to investigate these grounds? Yes. So there isn't much left of this place. As we right. talked about in the end of the episode, the place got most likely struck by lightning. No one was there to see it, but they assume that's what caused it. It was a huge lightning storm. It's like basically two fireplaces, like the chimneys from what I saw. Exactly. That's pretty much what's left. So you, you still have the foundation. You still have a fireplace and those two really tall chimneys. And I don't know if any of the outer buildings, because I know there was like some outer buildings. I don't know if they had like a barn or. I also do want to address one more thing in the chat, not to derail this completely, but I was told that I look like a box of mayo next to you just because you have a hot dog tan and won't turn your light on and I have my light on. That's why it's because I I'm courtesy. I'm using some courtesy and showing everybody my light is on. The tan is still glorious. Yeah, You still look like a fucking hot dog. Like what are we doing? Hot dog. I look like a breakfast sausage. (laughs) So anyways, uh, thanks again. Next food discussion. Does hot dog, does Mayo go in a hot dog? No, everyone knows that's a no. No, I don't know on that. But no, the big it. one is is a hot dog a sandwich? No, yes. a hot dog is not a sandwich. Of course, not up. 
It's meat in between bread. Yeah, it's meat in between bread. What are we doing here? It's not between bread. It's kind of between bread. It's not. It's one piece of bread. It's not two separate pieces of bread. It's mostly surrounded by bread. It's like a. It is It's like a bread peninsula. Not sandwiched by bread. Is it or is it not sandwiched by bread? I don't know if you could say that it's sandwiched because they're not two separate pieces of bread. Okay. It's is wedged it, in. I have another question. I don't follow I don't up want to do before this we move right on. Is it a taco? Man. Is a taco no. a sandwich, Rob? No, no, no. Is a hot dog a taco? No, a hot dog is not a taco. No, no, no a hot dog is kind of the same. Would it, would, all right, chat, we need your votes. What would it be there? closer to a hot dog? I'm sorry, very close to a hot dog. Would it be closer to a sandwich or a taco? Oh, yeah, it's a sandwich. So I, I lean sandwich. It's a sandwich. It's sandwich between bread. Done. Let's go. Let's talk about Wisconsin and cheese. Yes, anyways, the the um the grounds are open for investigation. I, I guess the owners are very friendly to it now, as far as I know, anyways. Um, but at least as of recently, they are, and actually they are. I don't know if this is still going on, but at relatively recently, they were actually fundraising to rebuild this place on the same foundation. Oh, wow. So there's a potential that this place could be back. Will it still be haunted? I don't know. But people that go to those grounds now still say it is haunted. I watched um, some investigators go there and they were doing some spirit box sessions and they got some interesting communications, including communicating with a potential demon. So, I mean, it's spirit box, so it's subjective, but at the same time, they're still collecting evidence at that location. So even with the building mostly being gone or completely being gone, basically you have foundation and some chimneys, but uh, the area is still frequently visited, frequently investigated and frequently confirmed that it is still haunted. So that kind of sums that up. So but, this is a location that I would like to go investigate because it's it's a it would be a very unique investigation in the sense that you have the grounds of the of a house that's that was haunted or like theoretically still can be right mm-hmm. and but you also have the surrounding woods so it'd be like an overnight camping investigation thing so i i would find that to be very like i mean you can do this other places but with the with the remains of a house it's not as common as you would not as common as just doing it outside is what I would say. So I, I would like to go do this particular one and do like a overnight investigation where we camp out like right there. Yeah. The build, it, it, what a, what a conclusion for this story though, for it to get struck by lightning and burnt down. It definitely seems like the end of a heart. Like if this Dave, you've, you've mentioned this before. If this happened in a horror movie, I'd roll my eyes like, Oh yeah. Is that how the yeah. building goes down? Like it ends in a lightning <laughs> strike. It's such like a perfect ending to this potential demonic location. I guess what, what we should do is talk about the second potential possession that happened here. So it wasn't just Arnold, you know, eventually everything falls apart with them. They do move out. Their marriage is over. You know, they get divorced and she moves back home with her with her father. Then Ginger's father up and decides to buy the place. And she's like, dude, why? <laughs> you know, she's like, I'm done with this place. Instead, he goes and he he buys the building. I don't know if she ever went back there. I don't think she did at the time. Maybe she did later in life when she was doing these um, interviews and stuff like that. But as far as I know, she was just kind of recovering and her mental state was getting better because she was also... I wouldn't say she was possessed, but she was definitely being influenced. I mean, she was like, became 
absolutely obsessed with rebuilding this house. And it seemed like she was driven by something. And at least this is where they were leaning with the story was to bring it back and restore it to what it used to look like. Obsession is actually one of the symptoms of the oppression stage of a demonic possession. So it does, it does add up if, if you add the husband who was full on possessed or close to it, or at least in the very advanced stages of a demonic oppression, and she could have been in the earlier stages. I think that there's a lot to suggest that that could be the case. Mm -hmm. So you have a recurring thing with this. You also had a recurring thing with fire. I mean, it's a lightning storm, you know, things are going to catch on fire. But you also, earlier in the story, you had a situation where Arnold is just walking out to his car and it just bursts into flames. And they didn't really give much more information on this in the books or the websites or anything. But that's such a strange thing to happen. They never really found out what happened. Nobody got hurt. But this was while he was walking to his car. Now, I do wonder in his state of possession if he didn't realize that he set his own car on fire. I'm sure he kind of blacked out when he killed the raccoon. That was kind of a weird part of the story. So maybe he's... Maybe he doesn't realize that he did it himself. And maybe this was part of him spiraling out of control. I think that's more likely than a car just spontaneously combusting. Yeah, I think that's possible. And the, him killing the raccoon is very reminiscent of the Sally house mm -hmm. where that, what was his name? I, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he killed the cat in- uh, Deborah and uh, Tony, Tony Pickman. Tony, yeah, Tony Pickman, where he killed the cat when he was possessed, but he did it unconsciously doesn't have any recollection of it. So he says, so I wonder if you have a similar situation with the raccoon here. Yeah, I would assume so because you don't hear this story from him. You hear it from the daughter and, and ginger. And as far as I know, anyways, but so I don't know if maybe he has an interviews. I'm not sure if he's part of the interview process or anything like that. I've only seen clips of a few of the other family members being interviewed, but I do wonder if he remembers that uh, bro dad asks and says divine original state. Is that according to the blueprint or how, or is it how the house redesigned itself? Uh, she had found the blueprints and she became obsessed with, with restoring it back to what the blueprints said. Now, I don't know if the blueprints would in include details about interior design or paint colors or anything like that, but that seems to be more of where she became obsessed with it. I think he was uh, referring to when the house started growing. Okay. Well, that would be later in the story. So we can get there. So then basically her father, Raymond, and his son, her brother, also named Raymond, which got very confusing when trying to figure out who's who in this story. They, I'm pretty sure they were both named Raymond or Raymond and Ray, but anyways, that's what Ray, Ray is short for. They- Thanks. Thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that Ray is short for Raymond. Could have been Raymond. Mm -hmm. Everyone donate $100 just for Jesse clarifying that fact that you probably didn't know. <laughs> I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Anyways, uh, so they start working on this, and then it seems like could be short for could be short for Stingray. That's right. See? <laughs> could be short for Ray Charles. <laughs> Possibilities are endless. So maybe his name was Raytheon. Who knows? There we Stingray. go. See that that could have been the problem all along. Anyways, the uh, they start this project, and it seems like the sun is experiencing most of the hauntings. And he has this kind of strange story about the door opening and closing and the hallway when he goes to mop, it just seems to get longer and longer as he's doing it, which is, you know, something straight out of a Stephen King book, basically. And then once he gets back to the bedroom, the windows open again. And this was another reoccurring thing with the story is back when 
when Ginger lived there with Arnold and the kids, the windows would always pop open to a point where Arnold nailed one shut. So you get a lot of reoccurring things in this story. It's very, very interesting the way that it's uh, the way that the story is told. Then it seems like something happened with with Ray Jr. and he basically was the second, if not maybe the third victim of possession from whatever lurks inside this house. And this was when he sort of he was directed to find this black box. And then all of a sudden you got uh, John Carver linked to the story. And I went through so many of the details on why someone named John Carver would be linked to the story. And to me, it was a reach. He was apparently in that area at some point. He was a bit of a traveler. Yeah, it was very loose. And I think there's something to do with a deed to a house or like, exactly. I I didn't catch the whole, I didn't catch the whole. You're right. So apparently the whole message of him trying to find that black box was inside the black box was the deed to the house. And I don't know why his spirit would want you to find that. It it doesn't feel like he is the only ghost here. And it doesn't feel like finding a deed to a a house would be something that a demon would want you to do. So unless this is the demon trying to trick him into finding something else that would be in this black box, but they, they searched around, they never found it. So I don't really know. I guess I'll read more into that theory, but it was kind of a weird ending to the whole story, but he wrote a whole book on it. I'd like to read it. I haven't read that one. It was called the Carver effect under Wolfgang von Bober. So the, uh, the, the deed to the house, I don't know what the exact discrepancy is, but some, it has something to do with there's about 15 years in between where the deed was sold and where the deed could have been. And it was 15 years where it wouldn't make sense that it would have been in the house. Yeah. So yeah. I for, I forget that exact detail, but the deed thing is apparently debunked and nonsense. There's also okay. some rumor that it's actually at a museum in England as well. I heard that. So, yeah, but I, I didn't clarify that anywhere. So. Yeah, I mean, you got to respect it because it's part of the story. But at this point, I was like, this is kind of a weird turn that just wasn't nearly as interesting as the rest of the story, which is why I kind of breezed over it. Also, I don't really understand where they were going with it. So whatever is part of the story, if while he was possessed, this was the message that was going through to him, then it means something. Maybe he followed the wrong lead. Maybe it could have been a different John Carver. seems like it was a pretty popular name. So I don't know. But that's kind of that. So potentially three possessions, a very haunted location. Unfortunately, it burnt down in pretty epic fashion. I do hope that they fundraise enough Maybe we'll drop a link in the show notes if they still have that going on. Hopefully they fundraise enough to rebuild something there. It's so it's a place I'd like to visit whether or not they rebuild. At least there's still something there. You know, the put foundation. It put it I'll on put the list. list. Absolutely. I kind of want to do it without it rebuilt. I kind of think it would be yeah, more interesting to do it just at the foundation and around the woods of the area. Hmm. You're absolutely right. I, w- I would actually rather see it in the state that it's at now because. And I've never been to Wisconsin. So I don't think I have either. One of the few states I have not, I have not um, entered for some form or fashion. No, it's, it's one of those stories that's real interesting. Like you said, I had heard of it. I was doing some research on it a couple months ago when I was trying to find something for Wisconsin and kind of backburnered it. I'm actually glad you did this one because I would not have gotten the book you got. So I think it's better that you did this particular episode. So well done on doing all the appropriate research for it. Not that I'm lazy. I'm, I just, I have a different, don't know how to read it, 
also don't know how to read. <laughs> At least I know that a hot dog is a sandwich, though. That is that is something that I do know. Yeah, I'm team sandwich on the hot dog. But we've—I don't know if you saw on chat. I saw some somebody actually figured it out. It was Patrick. Patrick had found out that the mirror and Webster came down definitely on the side of yes, a hot dog is definitely can't read because definitively on the side of yes, a hot dog is a sandwich because the definition of sandwich is two or more slices of bread or a split roll having a filling in between. I do consider an Italian sub a sandwich. So I guess that does put a hole in my theory that there'd have to be two separate slices of bread. I just can't, I just can't get on board with a hot dog being a sandwich. It's too silly. I would. Uh, I, I also didn't read that properly just to make sure you took over so that you had to say the words. Anytime. <laughs> Although, I, to bears that I know how to read. <laughs> I will say this. I don't call a hot dog a sandwich. And if I were ever cooking up a bunch of hot dogs on the grill, I wouldn't walk over with the plate and be like, who wants a sandwich? Because <laughs> everyone would be confused. Like, we kind of want the hot dogs you just made, but I'll you take will a now. Yeah, you will now. We will now. We will now. Anyways, uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Drop a comment in the chat if you're not watching this live, and let us know what you think about the Summerwind Mansion. Is it haunted? Are, is there something demonic there? It, it definitely feels that way to me. So, mm. if these stories are true, you have generations of them, and um, years and years of hauntings. It's it's very very interesting. And if anyone wants to elaborate on the connection with Carver. Let us know what you think. I, I I think I will try to seek out that uh, Carver Effect book and and give that a good old read. And try to. Uh, it's not a print. Okay, I won't. So yeah. I'm not going to pay a lot of money for the <laughs> for the rare book, you know. But anyways, um, yeah. Why don't you pull up reviews, Rob? I will jump to our patron list real quick for our VIPs. We have Allison V, Dakota G, Jeannie R, Jennifer P, Lisa J, Mike Oubliette, Blake, Mom and Pops W, Robert H and Inspires Gaming. Thank you for being VIPs. For our Warren's Wards, we have Ambie Rose, Anna C, Kath Q, Chris C, Cody G, DC, Donnie N, Elizabeth Young, Lily, Jake V, Janice G, Matthew T, Papa Squatch, Rachel B, Sarah Cook, Steph A of the COTS, Stitch Kitten, Sydney B, the other Rachel B, Al Capone, Al Capone's... <laughs> Al Capone's allegedly poorly taxidermied corn dinosaur. Al Capone's allegedly poorly taxidermied wife, Alicia E. Anthony Character Limits Be Damned T. Ashley M. Brandon W. Brennan. Rob Loves Ice Cubes. We have Kathy McSlugs, Crystal Quinn, Huska. 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 We have Huggy Bear, Joe R. Kiralee J. Mark M. Michaela T. Mina H. Mariah M. Nick. Nuthouse Quinn, Paul from St. Louis. Pork. Pork. Ray N, Sam from Nepal, Sarah R, Scotty L, Solar Flare, and the big Spag Nasty. Nice job updating your name there, Spag Nasty. We appreciate that. And uh, as little as $3 a month, you can join in on Patreon, early access, ad free episodes, bonus content. Let's get into some five star reviews. First one is from soon to be X Player123, titled Binge Worthy Show. Love the history behind the cases. Uh, wish you could get into some more small towns. I understand it's hard to find several hauntings in a small town, but you could expand to the region. Looking forward to more episodes, especially from Ohio. And I just want to address this one real quick. We do cover a bunch of small towns, but we have to mix cities in because cities are also people's hometowns and we want to mix the cities in throughout different years. So 
We've done Chicago a few times. We'll be going back to Denver. We haven't even touched Boston yet, but when we do, it won't be just one episode. So we try to do a good little mix of small and big towns in order to do that. I have had a few questions about that in the past. Next one is from John from Oak Forest. He gave a five-star review. I'm not going to read it because it is actually, he left his ghost story in the review for a future episode. So, but I um, love this idea. Love yeah. that idea. If you just yeah. want to drop ghost stories in as five-star reviews. Sure. Maybe that'll bump you to the top of the list. But that mm. one was from John and Oak Forest Hills. Maybe and I just said, have more five-star reviews. I don't know. <laughs> However you want to leave them though. And he said, soon to hopefully be renamed Al Capone's poorly taxidermied son that saw too much and had to be dealt with. So please don't do that. That is so much. <laughs> that will make my life so much. For those so of you that didn't worse. see the end credits, Al, Capone, Al Capone's poorly taxidermied dinosaur took up an entire line. Yes. Usually I fit like five people on that. We beg you. <laughs> we beg you. Please stop. <laughs> please. But it is entertaining. Uh, and we have one more. I think it says spiders lion but maybe not. You can yell at me if that's not what this is supposed to be titled haunted headlines. Keep them coming. Love the podcast and subject matter of the regular episodes, but this one was hilarious spot on commentary and modern day speculation explanations of these historic quote unquote mysteries or Scooby-Doo articles. Maybe the other traveling salesman folded up his coworker in the bed to steal his sales. Hmm. Inquiring minds want to know. Thanks, guys. If you haven't listened to last week's side content, we did another haunted headlines, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So go back and check that one out if you missed. Like it. those are quickly becoming the favorite. Yeah. Well, I initially read that comment and kind of chuckled just because we're talking about the folding bed thing. That's a theory I didn't even think of, and I don't even right. think we discussed was maybe that thing didn't just malfunction because it just sounds like such a strange. Mm. Looney Tunes thing for it to do. Maybe the other guy was like, ha ha, bitch! <laughs> Could have happened. Yeah, so if you want the full story on that, go back and listen to Haunted Headlines from last Friday. It was a, it was a fun episode to record is what I will it say. Fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, other than that, like we said, September's next week, guys. It is officially spooky season. Make sure you are telling your friends, your family, your enemies, Make sure you tell all of them about the podcast. Make sure that they're reviewing and um, subscribing to the show in some form or fashion so that we can continue to tell these ghost stories. It is the easiest way to support us is just by hitting a like or subscribe button. <laughs> I think that'll pretty much do it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We love and appreciate all of you. And um, yeah, we'll see you guys on uh, Friday. Real quick, I'm sorry. I know I always do this really long goodbye, but horror movie review, we are reviewing what movie? Yeah, Last Shift. Last shift, I watched it last night. I should have known that off the mm. top of my head. But if you want to catch up before Friday, that's the movie that we're going to watch. I believe is a 2015 movie. It's on Peacock and yes. Tubi. Go check it out. We'll see you guys. Goodbye. <laughs>